Well, I'm glad to be here this morning. I'm glad you guys could join me um, speaking about your reading through the Bible in a year. I do real good until we hit the pots and pans edition. <laughs> Any of you know what I mean by the pots and pans edition? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm kicking it. I'm doing real good. We hit the pots and pans edition, man. I got to gut through it then. It gets tough, doesn't it? And all that stuff, all God's word is inspired and it's profitable for us for something. Just sometimes that Old Testament pots and pans edition is sure is hard to gut through, isn't it? But if you make it through that, you're pretty good. But that's where most people fall off when they start the Bible reading. They hit the pots and pans edition they're like, what is this to do with anything? And they just... Skip over that, wait till that's over, and join in in the, in the, uh, in the next, <clears throat> next book. <clears throat> um, I'm grateful to God to be here today, um, so I ask that you guys pray for me. I've gone into a bit of, de- bit of depression, if you will, since hunting season's over. Now, any, anybody here know what I'm talking about? <laughs> you look forward to getting up early in the morning, getting in the blind, spending time with God, and waiting on some poor little deer to walk out there, hog, whatever it is, it don't even matter. Boom, got that thing. <laughs> got that thing. I, I was sitting over the other day, we and my wife went out to eat on date night, on Thursday night, and we got finished eating, I ate some chicken fried steak, Wagyu beef, chicken fried steak, how about that? But anyway, I was sitting there, and I just started looking outside the booth we were sitting in. She said, what's wrong with you? I said, I think I'm depressed. She said, what's wrong? I said, hunting season's over. Oh, man. She was like, oh, my goodness. Get out of here. (laughs) (laughs) So pray for me, fellas. I'm not depressed, but, man, I sure am missing it, I'll tell you. I'm missing it. (laughs) That's true. That is true. That is true. That is true. Well, guys, thank you guys for coming today. Uh, We have a a guest, Pastor Ron. Thank you for coming. Doug, I see you, man. Thank you for coming. Some new fellas in here that we have not seen before. Um, We're going to be looking at Psalm chapter 1. That's exactly what Christopher said I talked about some other time. But you guys didn't hear it, so it doesn't matter. And plus, it's, it's different anyway, but I want you guys to look at that. If you have it, say amen. amen. All right, Psalm chapter 1. We'll look at it in just a second. Uh, how are you guys doing in the midst of this pandemic? Good? Good? Everybody? Well, if, if you're doing good, it's, it's due in part to the fact that you are a child of God and God's grace has gripped your heart and given you the uncanny, innate ability to overcome in spite of whatever opposition you face. But there are those who do not know Christ, and in the midst of this pandemic, it makes no sense to them. It's a random act of events. It's not, it's not, it has no purpose. And it has stifled their ability to see and understand It has crippled their way of thinking because they think the world is, you know, put it out to the universe. The universe is in control of itself. And some of them would say that we're being punished for the way we've treated the earth. But the truth of the matter is this pandemic is, though not 
caused is allowed by, tell me, who? I, I didn't hear you. Tell me again. So you mean to tell me that God is sovereign in all of the affairs of men, even this pandemic? Right? So, so if, he, if he didn't cause it, then he certainly allowed it, right? And if he allowed it, he allowed it because it ultimately brings good and glory to who? Huh. Now, it baffles men. It, it, it stifles their ability to think clearly about God. If you don't think that God is sovereign, then you have a problem with this pandemic. You can find no peace. You can find no rest because you think that this is out of God's control. No, 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 no. It is out of man's control, but it's not out of God's control. But you have to think biblically about the God that you say you worship. If you don't think biblically about that God, then you say, why would God tell me? And, and, and can we be honest? This is a safe place. Some of us have asked that question, why, if God is so good, would he allow all of this to happen in my lifetime. And if we're not careful, we will sound exactly like Jacob in the book of Genesis when he said, all these things are what? Against me. I lost my youngest son or next to the youngest son. And now you got, you got my oldest son locked up and we're in a famine and I'm about to be bereaved of my youngest son, Benjamin. He said, all these things are against me. But really, what was God doing in all of that? What was he doing? Somebody tell me. God was saving. He was working on behalf of Jacob and his family and ultimately what those of us who are now the entire world by doing what he done Jacob misinterpreted the hand of God as being against him how many of you know that what God is doing may be bad to us but it ain't bad for us you might not like the way God is doing it but I gotta tell you it's for your good and for his glory and if we're not careful, we'll be guilty of misinterpreting what God is doing in our lives. Oh, that's good, isn't it? That, that makes me want to shout right there because I'm so ignorant that I misinterpret the good of God as being bad for me. Don't look at me like that. You're ignorant, too. There is no temptation, temptation that has taken you except what is common to man. We're all tempted to think and ask God, why, why, God, why? 
We've lost friends. We've lost loved ones. We've, we've gotten sick ourselves because of this pandemic. And the question that we inevitably ask in our, in our beast-like reasoning is why? But why don't we turn that question around and say, God, why not? And what should I be doing in the midst of all of this? Well, <clears throat> let's look at <clears throat> so much for my introduction. Let's look at Psalm chapter 1. Psalm 1. Christopher, uh, what, what year was that? 17, you said? That was August 20th, 2016. 2016. Psalm I'm Psalm 1 today. Woo! <laughs> How about that? Psalm 1 today. This, this crowd hasn't heard it. <clears throat> let's, let's look at Psalm 1. Uh, let, let me give you a simple outline, and we'll talk about those things. We're going to see two people. We're going to see two paths. We're going to see two pictures. And then we're going to see two places or two destinies, right? There are only two kinds of people in the world. It's not the haves and the have-nots, unless you're talking about those who have Jesus and those who don't have Jesus. Okay, that's the have and the have-nots. But there is the righteous and there is the wicked. In God's economy, he only sees these two people. Now, let's look at Psalm chapter 1. Here we go. Uh, you know how we do, right? Whenever I read and I stop, that's where you start. <clears throat> Psalm 1, the way of the righteous and the end of the ungodly. Here it is. Blessed is the man. Tell me, tell me. Who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Nor does he, tell me. Nor sits where, where. But his delight is in the what? Oh, my goodness. The law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates only two times a day. When are they? He only meditates two times a day. He shall be like a what? tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in what its season whose leaf shall not wither and whatever he he prospers the ungodly the ungodly the ungodly the ungodly are what not so but are like what now, now, the godly is like a tree they're planted, but the ungodly is like what? Yeah. Oh, man. What is that called again when you do something to something else? One thing is this and one thing is that. What is that called? A comparison, right? Notice how God compares the righteous with the wicked. A tree not moved, the chaff easily blown away. Okay, here we go. Therefore, the ungodly shall not... In the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord, tell me, watches, knows the way of the righteous, but the what? Shall perish. Oh, man, that's good. I mean, we can stop right there. <laughs> we don't even have to preach. We don't have to. This, this text preaches itself. And so in, in Psalm chapter 1, this is the opening verse of the Bible, uh, of, of the book of Psalms, and it begins 
with a benediction. Now, now that's ironic, isn't it? It begins with a benediction. The benediction is normally where? Where? At the end. But this book begins with a benediction, much like Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the poor in spirit. What? For theirs is the kingdom of God. And so Jesus writing the the Sermon on the Mount is reflective of what the psalmist wrote right here. He begins with the benediction. Blessed is the man. Can you see that? Blessed uh, is the man who walks not where? In the way, in the counsel of the wicked. Sometimes the best way to understand of understand something is to tell you what it is not. And so this verse says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly or the wicked. Right? Now, what, what does that mean, who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly? Anybody have any idea what that means? Don't listen to bad people, right? In other words, go ahead. Well, also, uh, Romans 12, 2. Yep. Right. Yep. Do not be conformed. Yep. To this world, but be ye transformed. Right? So here's what it says. In other words, the world has a system, a philosophy, a way of thinking. And the Bible tells us here, blessed is the man who does not get caught up in the world's way of of thinking. I hear you saying amen, but the truth of the matter is, it's hard not to get caught up. Why? Because when you go to public school, they teach you the world's system and the way to think, the way to reason, right? Am I lying to you? How many of us believe in cavemen? You do know you've been duped, right? You, you do know that. Because whenever God created Adam and Eve, they didn't live in a cave. They lived in a garden. Number one, they were able to always communicate. So they didn't come from dragging their knuckles to standing upright. They were always just like you and I. They were made in the image of God. And so because historians, because secular historians cannot piece it together, they have to figure out a way to make this theory of what? Evolution work, right? Because they are against the creation of God. You've been trained by the world's system to think like the world. Okay, okay, my, 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 my cell phone has a glitch. I can't do anything with this stupid thing right now. It's smart, but right now it's stupid because I can't do anything with it. So if you don't believe you've been duped by the world into thinking the way they think and into buying into what they sell, I, I dare you, I dare you to lose or break your cell phone. Why did I say that? It's painful because we can't, Hardly live without it now, right? right? I don't even have an alarm. I had to use my wife's phone to set an alarm for me to get up this morning. That's how dependent we become on these cell phones. 
You see people driving down the street looking at their. That drives me crazy. I don't like that. You know why? Because they're sucked. They're they're afraid they're going to miss something that the world has to say. What if somebody what if somebody likes my picture? How am I going to know? I got to see that thing. What if somebody texts me? I got I got to look. I really haven't had a problem without my cell phone, except for, um, as Christopher mentioned, reading through the Bible. I, I use that app to to read through, and and instead of that, I had to go back to to this right here, which is okay. I do both; it's not a big deal. But sometimes at work, I'll read it before I leave or go to work, then I'll listen to it again just to get it in my heart and mind, and then me and my wife uh, discuss as well. But Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, right? Notice the downward degradation. It says, nor, tell me what, stands in the path of the sinner. First, he's just walking with the world. And now he's congregating with the world. And then he begins to sit with the world. Yeah, he begins to first he just listens and laughs, right? He's walking with them. I hear what they say, laugh. Now he begins to like those jokes that they tell. And now he begins to live the lifestyle that they live. In other words, he begins to teach others what the world has taught him. First, he just walks. Then he stands. And then he sits down to teach other people what he's learned. But you notice that that's the negative. God said, blessed is the man who does not do these things with the world. Okay, if he if if if, if that's what he does not do. Then then what does he do? We'll get to that. Hold on. So Genesis chapter 13, 11 is a perfect picture of what it looks like to not walk, stand, or sit. You remember Lot, don't you? Lot pitched his tent toward where? Toward Sodom, right? Right? He walked into Sodom, and then he stood among Sodom. But eventually, in the end, we see that, that uh, Lot was at the gate of Sodom. He was corrupted. His family was corrupted by the mess that was happening in Sodom and Gomorrah. You don't believe me? Whenever the angel came and told him to get out, Lot was like, yeah. Uh, hold on, hold on. Let, let, me, let, let, let me get my stuff together. So they grabbed him by the hand and drug him, his wife, and his daughters out. God bless you, man. Have a good one. Good to see you. And what happened when they were leaving? What happened? She looked back, right? You know why? Because her heart was attached to what? To the world, to Sodom. Just like Demas. Paul tells us, Demas forsook us for this present, what? World. 
That's what happens with the ungodly, right? If, if you're not careful, you can be sucked in by the world's system and become just like the world. Oh, yeah, you'll still keep coming to church, but you really want to enjoy the preaching. He gets on my nerves. <laughs> you come for the music. That kind of gives you, an, you know, a, 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 a shot of adrenaline, kind of like Starbucks, you know, for the week. I, I can make it. Well, the music is just great. I don't enjoy the preaching. You know, it's kind of convicting. He gets on my nerves. He's too, he's too condemning. Just love everybody. But the truth of the matter is, if we examine your life, you look like the world. Okay, verse two. From a positive perspective, right? So see what, the, what he does not do, his character, what he does not. Now we see what he is. It says his delight is where, where, where? In the law of the Lord. So if he does not do these things, then what does he do? He delights in God's law. What about you? In other words, is your desire toward God's word and doing his will? Well, that's what it says. It starts with a blessing. It says his delight is in the law of the Lord. Where where is your delight? Because we have a lot of things competing for our affection, don't we? I told on myself this morning, hunting is my passion. Competes with this right here. Golf is your passion. It competes with this right here. Football. Is your passion. It competes with this right here. (laughs) Whatever your passion is, it competes with the word. Can you say you love what you are passionate about less than you love this? Or do you love what you're passionate about more than you love this? Good question. How, how do you know? That's right. Money tells the story. There you go. Wherever you could. That's right. Yep. We're going to get to that, too. There will be fruit. We're going to see. Where do you put your time? Does does the Bible have to give way to your passion or does your passion have to give way to the Bible? If you can't say amen, say ouch. (laughs) That's how you tell. Where do you invest your time? What do you look forward to doing the most? I cheat. I take my cell phone in the blind. And I read, I put the headphones on, I'm listening to the scripture. If that deer walks out, I don't even hit pause. Boom, shoot that thing. Let him lay there, keep on listening. Okay, did I miss something? I hear you, Lord, keep talking. Sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes. 
what I'm saying is, it says his, the law is in, his delight is in the law of the Lord. If your delight is not in learning, living, and teaching others God's law, then you know that whatever your passion is, is above that. Right? And in God's law, he meditates two times a day, day and night. In other words, his life is governed, controlled, and lived by what the word of God teaches. During the pandemic, he didn't look for uh, the who to tell him what in the world's going on. You know who who he is, don't you? Who is who? World Health, World Health Organization. He didn't look for Trump to tell him. He didn't look for... Dr. Fauci, you know what he said? God, why in the world would this ever happen? What is, what is to be my lifestyle, my line of thinking when I think about all of these things happening? He looks to the word of God because he wants to know, God, what are you doing in the midst of this mess? I can't make sense of it, God, but if you tell me what you're doing, if you help me understand from your perspective what's going on, I can deal with it. I can make it. So the blessing is not yours if this is not your delight and you're not meditating on God's word. It's just not that easy. It's not that easy to say, oh, I'm a Christian. I got every blessing. No, 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 no. This blessing is for those who are not this and who are this, right? It's a both end. Notice, notice then in verse 3. But he is like a what? A tree. But he's not just like a tree. He's like a tree planted by what? He's like a tree planted by rivers of waters. In other words, maybe that's not where he started out. But in this text is the invisible hand of God, right? The mercy of God who plucked him up from where he was and planted him by a stream. Why, why by a stream? Fresh water. Strong roots, right? The truth of the matter is what will keep you is what you stand by and what you stand on. <laughs> what you're planted by, right, that's what keeps you. So this tree is planted by rivers of water so that he has continuous nourishment. You being planted in God's house, in a church that God has ordained, is for the purpose of your nourishment, to teach you to to groom you, to nurture you so that you grow to the maturity of faith. You're planted by rivers of waters. In other words, you have continuous source of refreshing and renewal. Isn't that good? But then not only is he planted by rivers of water, but it brings forth what? When, when? In its season, right? And as we talked about earlier, fruit is not for the tree. It's for the people who the tree is blessing. 
In other words, this tree uses its energy to bless someone else. It produces fruit in its season. And if you're like a tree, your life is lived for the purpose of God and who? Of others. Okay, well, well, well since, since that's true, I'm like a tree, then what kind of fruit should I be bearing? In times, in hard times, you bear the fruit of endurance. In prosperous times, you bear the fruit of thankfulness. Are you with me? So in other words, whenever God sends you through some tough times, you're saying your faith endures. It's what we call the perseverance of the saints. Well, you don't need to persevere if times are not tough. The only time you need to persevere if things get hard, right? Kind of like persevering through the pots and pans edition we talked about earlier, right? That's how I know I'm saved. I persevered through the pots and pans edition. I made it. It's rough. Well, let me tell you. We persevere in hard times. In other words, we don't lose faith in God. We don't lose sight of God's hand. We continually stand on, trust in his word and what he says. We live by it and we're ready to die for it. Is that you? You live by the word and you're ready to die for the word. Then it says, whose leaf shall not tell me wither. In other words, not only does he bear fruit to bless others, but these small kindnesses that he does will not be forgotten. Normally, which comes first, the fruit or the leaf? The leaf, right? The leaf protects the fruit while it's in growth, right? So in other words, our kindness is what we do before we bear fruit. And while we're bearing fruit, those leaves do not wither. You ever seen a fruit tree whose leaf didn't wither? What about the wintertime? It withers, don't it? It dies. It falls off. But this says his leaf will not wither. In other words, the small things that you do will not be forgotten. God will remember and others that you have blessed will remember you as well. Isn't that awesome that God thinks about the here and now as well as the then? If you want to be remembered, what do you want to be remembered for? What do you want to be remembered by? You want, do you want people to say, you know, he was a mighty hunter like Nimrod? That's all people really know about, about Nimrod. Well, aside from the entire Bible, but if you know the verse, it says he was a mighty hunter before the Lord until he was strong in his own mind. He forgot about God then. He was a great basketball player, football player. He was a great whatever. Is that what you want to be remembered for? I don't. Whatever he does shall prosper. Man, I had a hard time with that. 
When I studied this, I had a hard time with whatever he does shall prosper because I've done a lot of things that didn't seem to prosper to me. Uh, Haven't you? But we only look at the outward material wealth, right? We don't look at uh, the failure of the things that we have sought out to do that kept us from going astray from God. Maybe that's why God allowed them to fail. We don't look at the hardships that we've had to endure that kept us humble and trusting in God. Because we're only looking from the outward perspective. We never measure those things by the internal wealth that we have. Isn't that funny? That we don't look at the inside. God, what are you doing on the inside of me while you're chastening me or I'm going through this hard time on the outside? Do you ever check your spiritual wealth to see where you are or how much value it is, it possesses? As a young Christian, I never did. But now I'm always asking God, God, what are you doing? How is this helping me? Well, I grew up in the country, and when you would get sick, you would get one of two things. Castor oil or black jaw? E, both of them. I didn't see how those things were helping me. <laughs> They're both nasty, right? Any witnesses in here? The, the older generation knows that black jaw and castor oil is horrible stuff. I don't even know if they make it anymore, and I really don't care. There are some things that are not good to you, but they're good for you. Am I right? And so what God is doing in all of your troubles, all of your ailments, don't be like Jacob and say, all these things are against me. Be like Job and say, remember what Job said? Though he slay me, yet will I. All of my appointed time, I'm going to wait till my change comes. When I have been tried, I shall come forth as what? Pure gold. So the psalmist tells us whatever he does will prosper. We only look at the material poverty, right, that we have. If if that's true, then how come Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk has more money than most believers? That's a hard pill to swallow, isn't it? If everything that I do prospers and these dudes got more money than me, you got to ask the question, why is that? It ain't about the money. It It ain't about the movie. Show me the money, Jerry. It ain't about show me the money, right? It's about show me the maturity on the inside. Now we look at the cursedness of the wicked man. It says the wicked man is not so. He's not like the righteous. The ungodly are not so. In other words, there's a double negative. Not so, not so the ungodly. What do you mean they're not so? Well, they're not like trees because they're not planted. They don't bear fruit in their season, right? And their leaf, everything that they've done will eventually wither away. It's, It's gone. They're plowing in the sea. (laughs) 
whereas the righteous is plowing in the, the, the sand, right? He's making furrows that will stand. Here it is. They are like what? Chaff that what happens? The wind drives away. Chaff is good for nothing, right? So the picture is when they would thresh the wheat, they would, they would stand in a place, right? And then they would take the fork and they would throw the wheat up in the air and tell me. And what happened to the? No good. Nobody needs it, right? Don't want it. Don't got to have it. So what's good stays and what's not good is done away with. And it says the ungodly are like the chaff, even though they seem to be prospering now. If you look at Psalm 73, let me, let me flip over there real quick. Look at Psalm 73, uh, because I know what you're saying. You're saying the same thing that the psalmist said in Psalm 73. Look at verse 1. Are you there? Verse 1, truly God is good to Israel, to such as have a pure heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped, for I was envious of the what? The arrogant when I saw, tell me. Wait a minute, I thought, I thought the Bible said that the way of the righteous is prosperous, but not the wicked, not so. But here it is clearly, David said, I saw the prosperity of the what? Now look at verse 17. Verse 17. Psalm 73, verse 17. Stay in Psalm 73. It was too painful for me until what? Then I understood. Tell me. Oh, man. Here we go. Here we go. Tell me. Tell me. Surely you set them where? Oh, come on. (laughs) You cast them where? Oh, how they are brought to desolation as in a moment they are utterly, tell me, consumed with terrors. You see, the psalmist had the same question. God, if that's true of me, then how come I see the, how come I see the wicked prospering? What are you doing? David said, I didn't understand that until I went into God's where? Why? Because that's where God's truth is. Once I understood God's truth, then I understood that, yes, God does allow them to prosper, but that's all they get. And then he set them up in order for them to see that, hey, I have mercy on the just as well as the unjust. But if you don't come to repentance and come to know Jesus Christ, in the end, he says what? Destruction comes. So you can't measure what's happening here and now because God looks at not the beginning of a thing, what does God look at? The end. God doesn't look at the outward appearance of man. What does God look at? The heart. But see, David got caught up in seeing what they were doing, not how they were living. Well, that's enough for today. We'll have to continue the rest next time. We got a little bit more to go, but that's all we can do today. God bless you.